Don't call it a comeback. Been here for years. Welcome to a belated but most excellent edition of Sports Out of Baldwin. Mark and Ross back at the safe house and ready to talk about several very current and hot sports topics, including the Cardinals back from the dead pulling a Lazarus. They were never dead. They don't call it a comeback for them either. Oh, yeah. Not just sports out of Baldwin. Uh, the beginning, the kickoff of college football season, including a huge victory for Ross's Sooners. Uh, NBA shenanigans. All sorts of things to talk about, right, Ross? You could uh, you could say that the Sports Out of Baldwin podcast is a metaphor for the St. Louis Cardinals season. We were dead there for a few weeks. Had some moments earlier in the year. Severely mediocre most of the time. Also true. <laughs> but we're coming back with a vengeance. All right, so we'll get to your trip in a, in a few segments here, but we're going to actually switch it up and... It's going to get hot in here real quick because so we're going to kick it right off with the sauna. It's like a sauna in here. That Hansel's so hot right now. Coming out of me like lava! Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. So the sauna today is, we're talking about the NFL, and we're just finished week one. Yesterday there were two Monday night games. Uh, I have watched zero minutes of the NFL because in this sauna... It's not so much a debate as I personally have no interest in the NFL. I did two fantasy drafts, and I intend on watching zero games, but I, I guessed. I did no research, and so I'm on, like, the, I'm on the anti-NFL side, not paying attention at all, not really caring what's going on. And Ross, not a super fan by any stretch, but he's enjoying himself. He's watching NFL Red Zone. Did you watch NFL Red Zone on no, Sunday? No, because I was driving back from ah, Ohio. Gotcha. But I watched all of pretty much all of Thursday's game and most of all of the both games last night. Yeah, you know, NFL's not my number one sport. At this point, I kind of consider it a guilty pleasure, whereas <laughs> basketball is like essential to my life. I don't know what I would do if well, I wasn't yeah. watching basketball. I, yeah. It kind of to like a pathetic extent, honestly. But football... You know, I enjoy it. I'm not, I don't plan my week around it. Um, but you will spend your Sunday sitting on the couch Red watching Zone. NFL. Red, Red Zone. Zone. So for me, it's interesting. I, I would say the two reasons, the number one reason I watch NFL is for fantasy. And the number two is that if you sit down on a Sunday afternoon and turn on the Red Zone channel, you can't leave. It's just so encapsulating, it's so magnetic. There's no commercials. And for me, it's hard to distinguish because I started, I was pretty much always played fantasy football, but I went from being in one league to being in four leagues in my last year of college. That's kind of when, you know, the TV show, The League was blowing up and everyone wanted to have their own fantasy league and I couldn't say no. And I ended up in four leagues. And that's also the time that my roommates and I decided we were going to get red zone so it's kind of been a parallel track where i've been you know had access to red zone discovered red zone and also played fantasy like seriously and probably too much so for playing fantasy so seriously you sure aren't not good at it hey i won in three of my four leagues this week. And the one, the fourth league, I would have won. Here's the question. Had the Chargers in not had a field goal. Set six years week. of the history of our degenerate fantasy league, have you ever made the playoffs? In our league, I made the playoffs certainly the first year. Did I make it the second year? I think probably just the, the fact first that year. you had to ponder this so hard just means that year. for as serious as you play, you certainly aren't achieving. At won, a serious level. I won one of my leagues last year. So you were you batted 25%. That's not very good. Yeah. That's a Dijon-like uh, average. Uh, Fantasy is a fickle game, you know? It's, it's tough to be consistent. <laughs> I so, agree. So uh, along those lines, you still play even though you don't watch. I don't do. you wish to be – you're very competitive in fantasy baseball. Th- aren't you, don't you wish to be competitive in football as well? <sighs> it's – 
it's a fickle, much much like fantasy itself, I because I definitely didn't do any research. I didn't know some of the players being drafted. Like I was being blatantly <laughs> was, honest and saying I, was I don't know who sitting this next is. to you during our draft. I'm aware um, that you didn't do any research. And then lo and behold, I go two and zero. I'm in two leagues, one to stay in touch with you guys, and it's fun, and then one to stay in touch with college friends. And it's honestly, it's like liberating having my Sunday and, free and that, of stress in that in the fall. Because Saturday, I want to watch like six straight college football games. Right. I don't know why, right. but I, I and I, I don't get to you know every Saturday. Right. I, right. Unfortunately, right. just because right. life and everything. But it's nice in Sunday, kind of knowing. I'm not going to be spending, you know, six of the hours right. or technically nine if you go into the late night game. Right. But it's also, it's fun to kind of guess because I feel like a lot of fantasy football is also guessing. You, you're playing roulette with who's not going to tear their ACL this year. Yeah. Because lo and behold, like two of the top three picks are already out for undisclosed amount of time now. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm competitive for sure, but at the same time, this year I'm definitely going to be way more hands-off. I'm just going to make sure the guys that I'm playing aren't hurt. Um, and I think I'll, I'll probably end up 500 or so because I think most of fantasy football is a, a crapshoot. So I think I agree with you that there's a sort of a liberating element, not just with fantasy, but just watching the NFL. I'll admit there'll be a, there'll be a Sunday in late October. This happens every year. Where I just say, all right, I'm not re- watching Red Zone today. And I don't turn it on because I know as soon as I turn it on, I won't be able to turn it off. But I will have watched, you know, four, five, six, seven straight weeks of it. And I'm just like, all right, this is, you know, there's only so much I can take. That's just me. But um, so, you know, I think the NFL, I would still watch the playoffs. You think you tune in for the playoffs? I would still watch Maybe. the playoffs. Maybe. Depends if I on who's games. in it. Yeah. Depends on what yeah. teams are in it. Yeah. Just because there's so much history. I mean, play, the playoffs are, are where history is made, and, and it's, it's kind of obviously the Super Bowl is fun, and then it's fun to see who's, who's playing well leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, but def- are there any actual league storylines that you're interested in touching on very briefly? Um, no, I mean, I, just to continue that last thought, I, you know, I definitely separated myself from the Rams after how they left the city. Is that kind of, was that the tipping point for you? Or was it how oh, Good, definitely. Goodell has handled, uh, handled other things? That, that, yeah, so it was obviously jump-started by the Rams leaving and how it was basically the decision that they no longer wanted to be in St. Louis and they preferred to have a team in L.A. I understand the business side of it, but it's kind of strange that they would just abandon a city that's shown reasonably decent support considering how atrocious they were for yeah. 10 years there. And then it's how Goodell goes about his business and how the NFL in general is. I don't, and it's kind of contradictory for me because I'm a huge college football fan now and it's still football. There's still that concussion issue. But with the NFL, I just I just feel a lot of the players are not my personality type that I like personally Hmm. Um, I don't like the fact that the quarterbacks are pretty much everything as strange as that sounds yeah I don't I I just don't like how if you you're kind of toast if you don't have a great quarterback and I don't like how just I'm almost this is going to sound weird but I almost don't like the parody hmm Interesting. The, the, the parody you of the NFL. the NBA, how that plays out more? Where? Yeah, because at least in the NBA, and this is coming from a guy who has the current, who's a fan of the team who has the current longest playoff drought, yeah. is that there aren't that many long playoff droughts in the NBA. In, you know, eventually everyone's competitive. Now, part of that is in because the in the NBA, one yeah. guy can carry you to the playoffs, yeah. so all you need is one player, but. Um, there's just something, something started rubbing me wrong with the NFL that I can't really put my finger on. I, there's yeah, there's things I don't like that I think are kind of along the same lines of what I think you're saying. I'll say the concussion thing doesn't bother me as much. I mean, it's a violent sport. People should know what they're getting into. The players should know what they're getting into. The fans know what it's about. I mean, I know not, not that many people watch boxing, but it's not that much different than boxing as far as the risks and head trauma. Yeah, it's more so that you know half the players on your roster could be out just... It's not even just concussions. It's like the injury. Like 
your three star players could be out, and then you're watching like a poo poo play yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and that happens way too often. At least you know you don't really see the major stars getting hurt as often as they do as they do in the NFL. Now there were actually quite a few injuries NBA. to star players yeah. in the in baseball this year. Actually, yeah. but baseball your season's so long and your your rosters technically are a little bit deeper if you count like the minor league system that they can call for. Yeah. Now, I guess that's a drop off in quality of players, but um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things I don't like about the NFL compared to the other major leagues. Uh, but it's the league that sets itself up best for fantasy and the games are confined to only certain times of the week. So you can kind of, um, it's, it's kind of easy to, you know, on a Sunday, if you don't have anything going on, to, to, to tune in and then tune in Sunday night and kind of reset your week. So that's, I think, why it's popular with most Americans. But I don't know that I'll ever follow the NFL as much as I will the other leagues. Yeah, so on to the league that we probably, we've talked about the most thus far on this podcast, but certainly one that we've reason, been enjoying the most recently. Off season. Yeah, so it's been crazy, and we actually recorded and a podcast about it that I haven't fully edited out and never got out online, so maybe we'll get that out eventually, but we're going to do a quick segment here as it pertains to the NBA offseason. Now, first things first. NBA nothing, never sleeps. That's true. The NBA has actually done, I think, a better job than the NFL at trying to capitalize the whole calendar because and they I, just constantly, something's happening almost, in the NBA. Almost by accident, though. The only thing is... is they kind of switched around their the draft schedule. Right. And, but they moved the draft closer to the end of the season, which is the opposite of what the NFL did because the NFL wanted to spread out the calendar. But that's because they had that free agency that they know... Is a it, big it, frenzy. It, it's way different yeah. than it used yeah. to be because now and players are just deciding where they want to go, and it's way more active than if, it ever used to be. If anything, what allowed the NBA to have this crazy offseason is that the NBA is a league where the players have the power because one player can change a team's yep. destiny so much, and they get compensated more uh, generously than NFL players, and that's what allows them to say oh i demand a trade i don't want to be on this team that is a championship level team anymore i don't want to play with the best player uh of the generation anymore i i just i want to be (laughs) traded so then you have all this new and then suddenly that team pretty much has to trade that player uh i see you're alluding to a specific trade but let me first state and see if you uh, you'll agree with me on this I think it's safe to say that while it's been a crazy offseason with huge names going different places, the Warriors are still the yep. hands-on favorite to win the title again, correct? And you don't foresee them, unless in, a major injury occurs, Probably. you don't foresee them losing to anyone, correct? Correct. Probably two major injuries is what it would take. Oh, please. If Durant gets hurt, they're not winning it. If Durant gets hurt, I would still... You would take them, if Durant gets hurt before the playoffs start, you would take them to win it all still. Yes, but I wouldn't be nearly as confident, and I would be very, you know. There's no way. Remember, they went on a good streak when Durant They were going to be in if trouble you're... if Kawhi had stayed healthy last year yeah, with that, Durant. Yeah. Um, the Spurs and didn't... now the Rockets are a bit different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but I, we don't I have to worry about take... that yet. Yeah, so, yeah. so we wanted to preface discussing the free agency with... Unfortunately, everyone's kind of fighting for second. But that's but it's been interesting because we all were of that mindset after the finals this past year. We were like, well, look, this team's going to win it for the next two, three, four years, and it's going to be pretty obvious. And there was talk of, are more teams going to tank? Are teams going to wait out the Warriors and LeBron and just play for three, four years down the road? And as the offseason's played out, it's been anything but. There's been more teams that have gone all in. Houston, Oklahoma City, Boston, uh, to name a few. Minnesota. And um, there's there presumably might not be as many teams tanking as there was, say, last year. So, yeah, I mean, yes, I agree. The Warriors still going to win it all, barring something very strange happening. Uh, but... So, do you think the East has changed then with the trade? I think the East has changed. I think the Celtics 
have slight in my book slightly passed the Cavs. I understand that means I'm betting against LeBron and I understand he's the best player in the league. He can win a series on his own. But it, it's just it's just we're at the point where and he's great, so he's gonna transcend historical precedence, but we're out of this is uncharted other than the Bill Russell Celtics of making the finals so many years in a row. There's going to be a year where he he either falls off because of age or a year that just something weird happens and he doesn't make the finals. I think the Kyrie trade made Boston better and it was the best Cleveland could do knowing that they had to trade Kyrie and for their future because they got the, the draft pick. Isaiah Thomas is very questionable. I mean, that's that was the whole thing when it popped back up with he didn't pass the physical and are they going to have to give more away to get him. It turned out it was just a, a, a second-round pick that the uh, Cavs could add on to that trade. I don't think that Isaiah is any better of a fit than Kyrie was. He's a little bit worse of a player despite the great year he had last year. I don't. The Cavs did nothing that make me think they're better this year, and the Celtics added Kyrie which I think is a little bit of an upgrade at that position. And they added Gordon Hayward, and they drafted Jason Tatum, who might give them something. And they had some young pieces that were going to get better anyway. I guess we could have saved our sauna for now because I don't necessarily disagree, but the thing I'm curious to see is I know that Stevens is a brilliant coach as far as defense, but you have to take into consideration that you now have lost Avery Bradley one of their better defenders. And Crowder now. I personally don't know how good of a defender Gordon Hayward. He's definitely improved, but without the having the Stifle Tower behind you, who knows how good your defense is going to be. The Stifle Tower, of course, being Rudy Gobert. But we're not sure how he how he is fits defensively. Point. So defensively, and let's be honest, Kyrie's not a good defender. No. I'm sorry. That's why I don't put him in the top. Neither. I don't put him in top five point guards in the Neither league. Neither is Thomas, though. The love affair that uh, Simmons and company have for Kyrie over at the Ringer, I still don't fully understand. It's because he goes off in the playoffs for a ton of points. But you know, it's easy to do that when the other team is focused on making sure LeBron uh, is in. Yeah, that's true. And they still can't. It might he be. still averages a triple double, and Kyrie still has the ability to get off. Now, 30 I'll admit, he goes one-on-one, and he's heavily guarded, and he makes some unreal shots, but he also scores with such a high volume. He's never been near the efficient scorer that LeBron is, and if you take him away from LeBron, I'm very curious to see how he does. Now, some people might say, oh, well, he's really young still. He's 24, or is he 25, 25. now? So they'll say he's really young, and maybe he's going to blossom now that he's away from LeBron, but... Uh, there's a few people who need need touches yeah. on this team now. Yeah. I mean, Gordon Hayward signed a max deal not to only have you know ten shots a game. Now, granted, he's a, he's a good team player. Yeah, there's definitely going to be an adjustment period. One of the reasons why they were so good last year is because that was that was the team that they had had the year before too. They had that time to m- meld together. Yeah. Correct. Now you're working in three new pieces. Yeah, with Morris, Irving, and Hayward. And look, I think Stevens is a great coach, but that's. Uh, it's going to take some time. They're, they may not come out to a quick start like they did last year. I still think, obviously, they're top two team. Then the Celtics will be battling out for the one seed. Obviously, the Cel- it's shown that the Cavs don't care about the one seed. Right, right. They didn't have it, and they still bombarded the, the Celtics. It'll just be, yes, it comes down to Isaiah's health. And if he, he comes back at full strength, which isn't guaranteed at all, it'll be interesting. They, the Cavs definitely got a little more depth with this trade. They got more pieces that they can use. Crowder is a per, uh, is a player who can play. But they were a less deep team going into that trade than the than the Celtics. Correct. They they got depth in this they, trade. Okay. They have yeah. Zizic. Zizic. They have Crowder now. Yeah. Crowder. The pick obviously has nothing to do with their current depth. But let's say Isaiah comes back eventually, January whatever. You you have more depth because they only traded Irving, so you have three players who, who will hopefully be contributors as trading away one contributor. Now, granted, he was your second-best player, but maybe this frees up Kevin Love to do a little more. Maybe it empowers a few other players to get, get some looks. I'm, I'm just curious about the fit with Irving in, in Boston, and yeah. then I'm, it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs react to Irving not being there because he was a high-usage player. Yeah. Whereas LeBron, 
always averaged more assists than Kyrie did. And the only significant time I can remember where Irving was out was those that first finals against the Warriors where they obviously they lost, but they put up a pretty good fight. Um, well, and they also didn't have Kevin Love. So that, that, had, that changed the true, whole true. team structure. They were just so LeBron yeah. went to like 40% usage, which was right. just insane. Which he's not going to do that for the regular season, but no. he might have to do that for the playoffs again without Kyrie. unless. And I think he'll I save it up. He'll play yeah. 60 games saving it up because he knows the playoffs are going to do it. They're going to have an interesting season. After I thought, before the Kyrie demanded a trade, I thought, oh, they're, the Cavs are just the same team again. And they're going to yeah. be kind of boring to watch. And some, and some, so the NBA, maybe the NBA was behind it all along. Maybe they planted the story of the yeah. trades just to make it interesting. Because like you said, now the Cavs, the whole East has become interesting again. again it's not a yeah. foregone conclusion yeah. that the Cavs are going to... Because, you know, you, you had the Warriors, this juggernaut steamrolling everyone. And then... The Chris Paul trade. Imagine Silver pulling the strings behind the, the scenes to, the, to make things "quote unquote" more interesting yeah, for everyone. That would be that that would be fascinating. Uh, the the West is still the better conference. Not that, oh, absolutely. Not that you were saying anything that would dispute that, but as interesting as the East got, there's still only two teams I could see in the finals from the East. And while there's really only one, no love from the for West, the uh, maturing Bucks. You don't think that they Giannis would be, could make the leap to yeah, propel would, them to the say they, an injury on the Cavs or the Celtics right. allows the Bucks to slip in there? They would be the third one I would pick, uh, but I still think it's a, a long shot. And even the the Wizards would be somewhat consideration. Yeah, they didn't get, they didn't get I, I think those enough. four, given you know the crazy circumstances of an NBA history where something happens that makes one team go and the other team not, I think one of those four teams could could make the finals. Yeah. But then the West, while I, you know, it's the Warriors will make the finals and probably win the finals. Who's the second best team in the West? I think is a fascinating question. I think the Spurs have to be considered. Rockets. The Rockets. I think the this, Nuggets. Ooh, see, I wouldn't put them. But they got they got better. Oh, a absolutely. Lot better. And they're going to be a fun team to watch. Absolutely, because the West they're going to be one of the best passing teams. Ten are all at least interesting in some way. That's I think the the Thunder got a lot lot better. Well, obviously the Clippers, I think I'm not going to definitively say they got better. They didn't get better, but they're still going to be a very competitive team. Yeah, if Blake stays healthy, they did as well. I mean, he's not going to come back till at least November. Okay, but knowing that Paul. Was out. They did as they well have as more they could depth do. than they used they have to, more but depth. they lost Chris Paul, who was but a depth top was always 10 an player. issue, partly because they were always injured. So all of those teams we just mentioned, Minnesota is going to be very interesting. How all oh! these new pieces mesh? I think they're a playoff team provided. Or, they're a playoff team. Yeah, they have to be right, or else the this is Towns' third year, and he's a good enough player to where third year he can be a third team All NBA or better. Jimmy Butler potentially can be a second team All NBA yeah. or better. You have two players that caliber. You need to make the playoffs, yep. and I think they will. They will. Although the although the West is so tough, like we're saying. Yes, I mean unless an injury befells one of the main pieces, they need to make it this year, though. Yeah, they will. Um, so the the, but this is hey, this is what Kyrie wanted. He's going to get his shot to be the guy. Uh, although he has a very good team around him, like you said, they they have defensive questions. Um, I wouldn't say so much questions as I'll be interested to see how, how quickly they adjust together. It's just you're throwing three new pieces in there, yeah. and they aren't necessarily... I think Stevens is a great coach because he can mesh a lot of pieces together and use a lot of depth, a la Greg Popovich. I think Stevens' strength, X's and O's, he's, I think he's otherworldly on offense. I'm not sure Stevens is that much of an advantage defensively he's traditionally had very good defensive teams but i don't think you look look you know thomas to Kyrie. that's probably a wash defensively but they lost bradley uh smart is probably going to play a lot of those minutes a good defender but not as good as avery bradley they lost crowder hayward not as good of a defender so uh if they play tatum a lot you know he his strength is in defense, and traditionally rookies aren't very. Oh, good he'll get defense. roasted yeah. just because he's a rookie, yeah. not because so, he's bad. So um, they got defensive questions. Al Horford is a good defensive anchor, but he's not uh, spring chicken, as they say. 
But it's going to be fun, no yeah. matter what. Like I said, it, it'd be funny if it comes out 20 years from now that Silver was in, you know, encouraging these trades to just increase that NBA the interest, whole thing, that full calendar. The whole notion that the NBA is rigged from back in the Tim Donahue days and the uh, David Stern days. I, I never, obviously Donahue admitted to doing it because he was betting, but that was kind of a one-off, isolated incident. The, the thing that, oh, this series is rigged because they want so-and-so and so-and-so to be in the playoffs. I never bought into that. But this idea that you're bringing up, which is completely, as far as we know, unfounded, just kind of no, speculation. yeah, just poking fun at that. I think it always seems more, to be a storyline. More now. likely, somehow, every like two weeks, something yeah. is going on. Someone in the demands NBA, a trade, or someone. And, and, yeah, it's just crazy. It's like it's almost like WWE, right? Because you have these teams, very and, small teams. It's like everyone is on their own. And I go back. Tag team. Silver obviously worked. I love Adam Silver, but worked a long time for David Stern. Uh, I go back to the initial Chris Paul trade, the one that sent him to the Clippers from New Orleans and how that he was going to go to Lakers and that was vetoed and then yada yada. You bring up a great what if for people that love conspiracy theories. Yeah. All right. Well, on to college football in full swing. Ross just wearing his Sooner Nation t-shirt on cloud nine after... I think I saw him on the field with Baker Mayfield planting the the Oklahoma flag on Ohio State's 50-yard line. Give us a rundown of how it all went down in Columbus for you. So for those of you that don't know, my uh, dad is a diehard Ohio State fan. So we went to the game. I was in enemy territory. There were a lot of Sooner fans there, but I, when... Oklahoma would score, I would stand up and clap, and I'd look around, and I was the only Sooner fan for three <laughs> sections worth of the stadium. Were you around old people, though? Older, yeah. Older folks? Yeah, I wasn't near students or anything, yeah. So they were relatively civil? Uh, I don't think Buckeye fans consider themselves... I mean, they consider themselves civil as far as college football fans go, but I don't think they want the impression that they're not passionate or that they're just sitting there on their hands or anything like that. It was loud, great atmosphere. I'd been there before, but it's been over 10 years I was not extremely I was not confident at all going into the game based on what happened last year in Norman um, did not pick them in our college pick them I did not I picked Ohio State I'll admit it um, as did everyone except for my dad strangely who's, enough who's winning so far through two weeks so first half Oklahoma's moving the ball I'm, I mean I'm sure a lot of you guys have watched the game. I'm not going to recap everything, but it was just interesting that the first half, Oklahoma looked like they were dominating, but it was three to three. Very low scoring. Oklahoma had a few turnovers. Ohio State couldn't capitalize. And the second half, the floodgates opened for Oklahoma's offense. Obviously, they scored a lot. Baker Mayfield played well. Ohio State had some mistakes. Do you want to talk about the uh, the flag plant, Baker Mayfield? Should we give it more attention? It's already gotten nah. more attention than it needs, it, really. It is what it is. Basically, I mean, I think he was doing a little too much, but it doesn't bother me. He shouldn't have apologized. I mean, he did just because if someone was offended by it, he felt like he had to apologize, or someone at Oklahoma felt like he had to apologize. But it's funny that that was seen as disrespectful and not what he did to them the previous three hours on the field was disrespectful. The good thing about your school, your alma mater, is that they, you know, they're a big time player in the overall college landscape so when we talk about them you know we talk about someone with a lot of relevancy yeah. especially in that game so Ohio State basically has to run the table from here to make the playoff yeah and now the Big 12 looks like they could have someone they have, make the playoff right it helps that they that have was, a championship game now as well that was Oklahoma's toughest game as a fan I'm now thinking undefeated I wasn't thinking that before and on the off chance that you do lose to maybe say Oklahoma you could lose State, to Oklahoma State in the regular season or, and beat them in a rematch in the Big 12 championship yeah. game and then wash out your only loss. Or if one of the elite teams in the Big 12 beats you and they only have one loss, you're, you're, you look like this big quality win right. and, and a one-loss Big 12 team couldn't could get make it. the playoff, whereas before that looked a little unlikely. And there's been years where one-loss Big 12 teams have been left out. Correct. Yeah, the playoff picture is interesting. I, I think... It looks like Alabama is the Golden State going, of, of this year. Going into the year, I thought 
it was very possible that just the four best teams were all playing each other in the first two weeks. I thought the four best teams might have been Alabama, Florida State, Ohio State. Yeah, Alabama. unfortunately, Florida State with the right. injuries. So now, even when they were losing to Alabama, I thought, oh, they're still a playoff team. But once they lost Francois, quarterback, they've got a true freshman playing uh, quarterback now. I don't think there's any way they make it. I don't think an ACC team makes it. I'm not buying into Clemson yet this year. Uh, that defense, man. Yeah, they, but they haven't played. Their defense I know. Is I don't buy into Auburn. Extremely high caliber. I don't buy into Auburn, so I, I don't think that they've really they get tested this weekend though playing uh, Lamar Jackson in Louisville. Um, so I, I'm not sure an ACC team will make playoff. Just in my opinion, uh, Big Ten I think will get a team in whether it is Ohio State or Penn State or I guess Michigan or Wisconsin can make it. You got to figure Alabama makes it, and then. Probably one of the Pac-12 teams. I was high on Stanford. Obviously, USC took care of them. So either USC or Washington. It's interesting, but uh, you know, feels like we know a lot only two weeks in, and that's because there's been some really big games. But inevitably, feeling like you know something two weeks in, you know, by week seven or eight, it'll feel like it's a totally different season, and some major things will have changed because that's how college football goes. That's the beauty of it. I don't have any faith in any of those Big Ten teams going undefeated. Maybe, I, I'm, maybe I I'm too close to it, but I don't think... I don't necessarily either, but I still think that conference is tough enough that if you have one loss and you win the championship game... Yeah, it'll depend on what comes out of the other conferences. Right, of course. I mean, because what it comes down to is usually one of the conferences gets locked out because right. there's four slots, and it, it depends. If Oklahoma goes undefeated, obviously they're in... It, like you said, Alabama. Depends on how the ACC shakes out with Clemson. I think they could run the table based on their schedule just because their defense is so good, and I think Bryant's going to get better as the year goes on just because he's a young quarterback with a, a very high pedigree. Well, as you said, big big game with this Louisville. I have, no, I have no faith in Louisville's defense, though, so I think, I think Clemson's defense is going to be rough on Jackson. The Pac-12 is going to be really interesting because I think Colorado is actually a lot better than people think. They were last year. They were last year too, but they thought a lot of, or at least some of the folks that I read said that they were going to take a step back. But I think their their defense is still very good. And I just think I'd have to look at their schedule to see who's visiting Boulder, but they're definitely going to play a part as far as deciding which of those elite teams actually makes it through unscathed. I have a lot of faith in Washington because I think they have a really good coach and their defense is still very, very good. And then, yes, I'm, I was very impressed by what USC did after their befuddling uh, inability to dominate Opener. Western Michigan. Now, I will admit, Western Michigan still a very good team because they're... They, but they lost a lot from last year. They lost a lot, and obviously their head coach they moved on. But year. they're still... There's a very high talent level that they have for a Mac school. Yeah. It's not like they're. Yeah. It's not like they're. Um, it's not like Florida A and M. You know, right? That, there's a huge difference between an upper level Mac school and a, a you know, a, a last place Sun Belt team. You know, the fact that USC happened to play them really close that may end up not being that big of a bad mark against no. them later on, especially since Stanford is a very good team. Yeah. Like they didn't look good against USC, but that that just goes to show you how good USC looked, I think. So they impressed me because I was very skeptical. I picked Stanford in that game. I did too. And, and USC proved me wrong. I think they're they probably going to come out of the South because I don't think there's any challenger. Well, what do you, do you buy into UCLA? I don't think their defense the, is good enough. Rosen, the chosen. He's obviously, I mean, he's the best quarterback in that conference, but. Better than Darnold? Sam Darnold, uh, who's already won the Heisman? Yes, I'm gonna say Rosen's better quarterback than Darnold. You know, I actually agree with you. I, I'm I not just a think big I don't think Darnold UCLA's guy. defense is good enough, but we'll see. That should be right. a fun game, and right. that could have a lot of implications. That's if last, say USC or UCLA game, only yeah. trips up once, and they go into it with one conference loss, and USC's, USC's undefeated, undefeated. that be a hell of a game. Could be a good game. Yeah. Um, USC, of course, doesn't play Washington correct. in the regular season, which is kind of, I mean, we may get that matchup anyway in the the conference championship. Um, and that was Washington's one trip up before the playoffs last year. Um, well, and then don't forget the lurking Mad Pirate in Pullman. <laughs> yeah, so they... At least for the Huskies, I forget right. who, they, who their they, crossover they is They always the make, make that game tough in the Apple Cup. Well, last year it was surprising because they actually got spanked, but 
Oh, what? Yeah, last year. I I suspect that they'll just just because so they of play their U- offense. There's such volatility. Wow. So USC goes to Pullman. Yeah. See, I think on a that Friday night. Yeah, that's a scary game. I forgot about that game. That's a scary game. That's a scary game for any team because you just sure. know yeah, that your Friday defense night craziness. Yeah. Um, it, it, we're gonna say I mean, Pullman. Uh, Pullman will probably get as crazy. I mean, it was uh, crazy. That'll probably be the Boys biggest say triple overtime. I stayed up till two thirty a.m. That'll watching be the that biggest game. Friday night in maybe in the history of the Possibly, city of yeah. Pullman. You just when you play that team, you know your defense is going to be in for a challenge all night. So you know you're up against it, and then the offense feels like they have to score. You know, a, at a certain rate to 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 keep Washington State at arm's length. Pac-12 is interesting. It was interesting last year. It'll be interesting again. Here, I'm going to hijack the discussion very quickly here to talk about my Gophers. Absolutely. Oh, we 2-0. First game was kind of crummy. Defense was very good. Offense was lackluster. And then the second game, uh, offense picked it up a bit. Defense was very good once again. Now, we played two pretty poor teams, but I think when you look at the Gophers' schedule... Is, is There's Oregon, a lot of possibility. Oregon State not supposed to be good this year? <laughs> Are they ever supposed to be good? <laughs> there is a high possibility of them stringing together some wins. Hmm. I'm looking at the schedule. Lay it out for me. I'll lay it out for you. We play Middle Tennessee State, who just Wins. beat Syracuse, but oh. it's at home. And they got spanked by Vandy. So kind Vandy of mixed. is like Vandy's, secretly playing they're good. They're good. They won but a lot they of games at the end of last year. Vandy. Like it wasn't. It was a margin that makes you think, like, as, as decent as I think Vandy is, I think they're pretty good. I think we should beat Middle Tennessee State. Then we get a bye. Then we start conference play with the you team that is getting crazy better, hype. You better get a bye before you play. Oh, yeah. Maryland. So here's the thing with Maryland. They beat Texas, who was foolishly ranked at the beginning of the season. Should not have and, been ranked preseason. And still... They're just getting so much hype now that they beat Texas, and now oh, and they put up sixty points against Towson. First of all, they lost their first string quarterback for the yeah, year. Yeah, actually, P- that's, Pigram is gone. Yeah. Now uh, the replacement is a true freshman who's very talented and very athletic. At the same time, he's still a true freshman. He's got a game and, and a, a half home. under, well, a game and a quarter under his belt. Well, already, let's call it a, a half a game because Towson, Towson, you know, Minnesota plays them. Okay, so sure, Maryland's. Let's just the crazy amount of hype is just astounding to me. Then you have at Purdue. Now Brom is doing a great job with them. Yeah, and, they're and just two I'm years, two games into his rebuild, they almost beat Louisville. Winnable. So I'm not saying that anything's automatic, but I'm saying Winnable. these aren't Winnable. teams. These aren't teams that you're like, oh no. So they have Maryland at Purdue, then Michigan State at home, and Illinois at home. Illinois at home, we can we can write W in right now. Illinois is pretty bad. Yeah. Michigan State, I'm personally not scared of because I don't think they're They'll all be, the way recovered from the terrible season they had last year. I'm just saying, time. these are seven very winnable games, and the amount we improved from game one to game two was astounding. Like the, It was just so much crisper. And now huh. we have our quarterback situation figured out. Rhoda is the starter officially. We're not going to be alternating between QBs. Uh, everyone's still healthy. The The thing is, is if you can avoid a major injury in those first few games, that's a win in itself. You know? And and that's we haven't been able to do that the last four or five years. We've, we've lost a starter on either offense or defense in those first three games, I think, every year the last five years. Anyway, as far as Big Ten goes... I don't think we're a player for the Big Ten, but say, I think it'll be fun if we West. string some wins together and, and get the hype going to at least get maybe recruits excited about the future. I don't think we'll be a factor because we'll probably drop at Iowa, at Michigan. Well, all I'm your, hoping that we lose All those. your toughest games are at the end. The last five yeah. games, and even the last two games are... I think it'll still come down to Wisconsin out of the West, and I'm confused about what's going to happen in the East because I am not a believer in Penn State personally, and it may just be because we lost to them in overtime last year, and I just know how mediocre Minnesota is, so I know that that means Penn State almost lost to a mediocre team at home in overtime. I just I don't think their defense is quite good enough, and they still I mean it's hard. What I'm saying is I don't know who's going to win between Michigan, Ohio State. And Penn State. I, I think it's funny how 
And I'd have to examine their crossovers, too. Whenever I listen to uh, college football podcasts or the radio or read, I love how they speculate about teams in the East and they say, oh, and then they can beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. It's just always like a given that Wisconsin's going to win the West. They're definitely the favorite. Yeah. The betting favorite. They're the best team and they have an easy schedule. Does that mean that they will make it there? Not necessarily, but we're just... We're trying to project out, yeah. so we, we assume that it'll be Wisconsin. As far as those teams in the East, I am a believer in Penn State. I think Saquon Barkley is the best player in the country, non-Baker division. Non-Baker division. <laughs> I'm sorry, waiting for so, so you go one Baker Mayfield, two Barkley? Sure, yeah. Uh, but I think Ohio State's got a revenge game coming for them. They have to go to Columbus. Uh, and they, they obviously they kind of ruined Ohio yeah, State. That's my problem last with year. Penn State. They have to go at Iowa, which is not easy. And yeah. that's their first Iowa conference game. Iowa remains to be seen. They, they eked it out. They have to go at Northwestern, where weird things can happen because you can get lulled to sleep at the ten thousand strong crowd at Ryan Field. And they have to go at Ohio State, Northwestern, and at Michigan State. And it's tough playing in Northwestern in the weeds when they don't cut the grass for. That's true too. And then to top it all off, if you're a believer in Maryland, they have to go at Maryland the last game of the season. So that's at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Ohio State. The problem is too is the Big Ten schedule is uneven. They have five away games, and they're all there's no gimmies on any of their away games. Iowa, Northwestern, Ohio State, Michigan, Maryland. I I just don't think I think there's two losses in there somewhere. Got to go to Michigan, and I think someone's going to have only one loss in conference out of the trio of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Now, I'm also not saying I'm a believer in Michigan, right? Because I don't think their offense is good, right? Their defense is yeah. So I guess maybe I'm saying it could end a three-way tie, and then tiebreakers get crazy. Ohio State, there's a lot of people frustrated with their situation with the quarterback JT Barrett which is funny because he's been a starter for I mean this is three kind of going on four years ah so that leads us to our Matheny mistake manifesto it's me manifesto milk was a bad choice stupid is stupid does you were literally too stupid to insult freaking idiot lord of the idiots I've made a huge mistake so you could probably speak better to this than I can but expand on why we bring up MMM at this juncture so, the consensus among Ohio State faithful is that uh, play calling is was a major issue Saturday night and has been a major issue for um, really ever since Tom Herman left. The basis of this is that they aren't running the ball enough. When they had success winning the national championship in 2014 and when they've had success really in their whole history, but specifically lately with Urban Meyer, it's been they've been running the ball, whether it was Ezekiel Elliott or Curtis Samuel or the various athletes that they've had. They they seem to be trying to prove that JT Barrett can throw to the extent that it'll keep defenses honest and open up the run game instead of using the run game uh, as their go-to and then opening up the pass game and making it easier for Barrett. It's, it's kind of funny because Barrett, obviously, he, I think he was Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year his freshman year, which was when they won the national championship. Braxton got hurt before the year. Braxton Miller, that is. They, they came in. Barrett got he hurt. He played the whole year, got hurt in the Michigan game, the yeah. last game, and that's when Cardale Jones came in and they, they won the Big Ten championship and the college football playoff. So he was great that year. He was Offensive Big Ten Player of the Year. Then the next year, they kind of had the controversy between who do they go with, Cardale Jones or, or uh, JT Barrett. They eventually did go with Barrett, um, and then obviously he played all of last year, and they had a great year. Offense kind of stalled in that Penn State game late in the year, and then obviously did nothing against Clemson in the uh, semifinal. Brought in Kevin Wilson this year, who was formerly head coach at Indiana, formerly offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. You know, he's, he's a pass-first offensive coordinator. But basically, as it related to their loss Saturday night, uh, JT Barrett, their quarterback, had 18 rushes. Granted, a few of those were scrambles on broken plays. Their freshman running back, who looked great in week one, J.K. Dobbins, had, I believe it was, it was either 11 or 12 or 13 carries. That's your starting yeah, tailback. Not, not nearly enough, basically. And then they're... they're 
kind of their returning running back who had some pedigree before the year, Mike Weber. He only had, I think, three or four or five carries, but he, he was injured last week, so this was kind of his first game. They they passed a lot, and Barrett did not complete a lot of passes. He looked shaky on some. Uh, I thought it was interesting from the Oklahoma perspective because Oklahoma's secondary played very well. They don't really have a strength as far as stopping the run or stopping the pass, although now I guess you could argue stopping the pass is their strength. But it just seemed like the running game and and running up the middle, not just always a uh, uh, jet sweep, it seemed kind of predictable as that game went on when Ohio State would try to run, they would – you know, use the read option with the mesh point with the quarterback and the and the tailback, and it would just became very predictable and stale. So a lot of Buckeye Nation, my dad included, frustrated with the play calling <laughs> and just the the split of run pass and who's getting the touches. And their receivers are all very talented and fast, but kind of unproven hands. So now there's the question of, is Barrett have confidence with his receivers? Does he have confidence in himself? So it's just very interesting how JT Barrett hasn't really ascended from, he's basically starting for the fourth straight year and great his first year and hasn't gotten better. And then that kind of begs the question, should he have been starting over Cardale Jones a couple of years ago? Was he what was holding them back last year and they couldn't score a point in the uh, semifinal? I just love how elite programs, when they have a, just a, one a loss, loss yeah. an unexpected right. loss off to a To a top 10 yeah. team. They go crazy. They yeah. think everything needs Sky to is change. Falling, pull the quarterback. Like if Alabama were to lose early in the season, no right. they'd be like, oh, right. Saban losing his touch. Right. The guys won like five national yeah. titles. It's just it's so Time amusing to, to me. No, you're right. Spend spend two years in my shoes right. as a freaking Minnesota right. Golden Gopher well, fan, and then come back to me and, and talk about questioning Urban Meyer, who's won three national championships. I don't think undefeated. anyone's questioning Meyer. That's the one guy who hasn't been questioned in this whole thing for Ohio State. Maybe not from what you heard, but I was reading some stuff. Obviously, people on the internet, you know, hyperbole is is but rampant. But they're like, is Urban losing his touch? You know, just because they got smashed in the semi last year. Right. And so two the of their guys last... lost like six games in five years. Right. And people are going right. bananas. It it it, it just. But two of me he's out. lost two of his last three, and those were big games. Should we quickly? Do you have four that you like if you had to bet on a college football playoff four right now? Um. I'd go Alabama, two weeks in, but. Washington, I'll go Clemson, and man, Big Ten, I I yeah. guess I'll default to Oklahoma, yeah. and the Big Ten gets left out. I just think I Clemson's defense, I think their offense, there's still enough talent there to score enough that their defense is just so good, I and I think Florida State's going to really be weakened mentally. As well as yeah, I don't. I'm, true freshmen, I, I'm, I just don't see that panning out for them. I'm pretty much counting them out, which is unfortunate because they have a good. Because then I, I don't trust Louisville's defense, right. so no, I, don't I don't think anyone else in the ACC. No, I mean they could slip up. I, they might go to Raleigh this year, which could be a tricky game for Clemson. Clemson. Uh, let me double check that. But okay, while I'm looking at that, who do you, who do you have in your four? Alabama, Oklahoma. Before the season, I would have said Stanford, but I, that's that's pretty much out the window. Yeah, now. so I'll say Washington because I don't totally still buy into USC putting together a whole season. Uh, so I'll say Alabama, Oklahoma, Washington, and then I'm gonna say Ohio State. I think you brought up a good point about Penn State having a tough schedule, even though I think they're on par with Ohio State as the best team in the in the Big Ten. And like we said, if they run the table, I mean, look, they won the national championship three years ago when they lost at home to Virginia Tech in the second week of the year. So there's still a loss at home to Oklahoma isn't as bad as that. They still have a lot of season left. And there were uh, there were murmurs of a, of a playoff rematch as people were leaving the stadium this Saturday. So it's I, I still think that... Oklahoma and Ohio State are two of the best teams in the nation, and I still think they can both make the playoffs. Alabama's a shoe-in. I think someone from the Pac-12 will get in. I'll go with Washington as of today. So I'm looking at it. Clemson has to go at Louisville, at Virginia Tech, at NC State, 
I, those, at South Carolina. I just think, I mean, look, they lost to Pittsburgh. As great as that team was last year, they lost to Pittsburgh. I think they'll trip up somewhere, and I think when the dust settles, the ACC won't look as good. Part of that's unfair because Florida State's quarterback got hurt. I think Louisville doesn't have the chops as a team to run the table. They'll have at least two losses. And Clemson with one loss might not look as good as it did last year. All right. Time for the closing yet main event. The resurgence of our beloved St. Louis Cardinals. Fresh off of tonight's 13-4 to victory over the hapless Cincinnati Reds. As hapless as they've been, they've been beating the Cardinals this year. And that's one of the head reasons why we have the record we have. But as it stands now, it doesn't look like we're gaining a game in the division. The Brewers are still going to be half a game behind us because they won their game. So as it stands, we are two games back of the Cubs. The Rockies are still playing the Diamondbacks. And they're winning. They're winning. All of a sudden, they've caught fire after their earlier tailspin. First off, what do you think have been the keys to the turnaround that we've seen in the last... I'd say four weeks. Well, offense. And I I don't even know if I want to confine it to four Mm -hmm. weeks. If you go back to... There's three points in my mind where you you can look at like turning points for the Cardinals. You can go back to the All-Star break, and they have one of the best records in the NL since the All-Star break. There's certainly been down moments since then, but... um, you can go back to the rally cad and the six-game winning streak we had uh, last month. I thought it was eight. Was eight? You're right. It was. I think it was six after the rally cad, but it was eight until that came in the middle of the streak. And then you can go to now when we've won what nine of our last eleven. I believe that's correct. Yes, and those games we shouldn't have lost either. The bullpen. Really right. Nice. So, yeah, it's certainly not the bullpen that's been the turning point. So, the the if you go back to any of those three points in time, we have one of the better records in the NL and since that point in time, and we also have one of the best offensive numbers in the NL whether you want to look at runs or any metric you want to look at. So, it's been the offense and it's been DeYoung staying hot. It's been the use of Jose Martinez. It's been Colton Wong he hasn't been playing. He's been hurt. In the last week or so, but in the second half, he's played well, and he's hit, and he's getting a chance to play. It's been Tommy Pham, obviously. He's really been doing it all year, or at least since they they brought him up, what, a month into the year, six weeks into the year. So it's been the offense. It's been, I mean, remember, this offense, we were so frustrated with it in the middle of the year. It was It was not doing anything. Fowler wasn't hitting. Carpenter wasn't hitting. Those two really haven't changed it that much. Uh, Carpenter's getting on base, and Fowler's shown a little power. Piscotty hasn't been hitting. I mean, he's turned it around a little bit. but And, and really, the September call-ups, I mean, we're only not even two weeks into this, but the expanded rosters has helped because now you have Bader at your disposal. You have, you know, they just called up Sierra, Sierra. so it hasn't been that much difference. I think it's been more about the pitching. Interesting. So the starting pitching has been good all year. It's certainly been good. It's been okay. I would not categorize it as good. It was downright good two months into the year, and then it had a definitely had a a downward spiral, and then it's been better lately. I'm going to. I will see up Coach Fitz right now. Explain it to me. According to my research, they shot 18 times in a paint and had 32 free throws. The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. But they're not going to rook us. I have an ultimate storage capacity of 800 quadrillion bits. Take, 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 take that for data. So the Cardinals currently sit at ninth in the majors in war for pitchers which is fine it's it's top third but i wouldn't i wouldn't say that's been great i think that's but i think the reason that we've been winning more games recently is because the quality of our starting pitching has gone up part of that is trading a mike leak yeah he's no longer making starts unfortunately another aspect of that is wainwright's been hurt I love Adam Wainwright. I have an Adam Wainwright jersey, but the fact that he hasn't been starting has actually benefited us quite well, a bit. Well, the fact that he hasn't been starting at less than 100%. I still believe in him if he's healthy. I think he was pitching less than his I full self I just think his control has, 
has he's not decreased too much because he doesn't throw hard enough now. He needs to rely on his control, and he walks too many batters now for him to be throwing only 90 miles an hour. A curveball, he does not have consistent control of his curve anymore. And I think, I'm just saying, I think, and the way that this has played out, when he went down and Weaver started making more starts, yeah, you know, our, our pitching staff started, you know, what is it, the, uh, the lowest, what is it? The lowest, the highest tide raises all boats. You know, whatever that saying is. The, sure. The weakest link in the rotation was then probably Michael Waka. Right. And and he's been hit or miss. He, sometimes he's brilliant, he's and then sometimes he's terrible. Now. Yeah. But he's just been the the rotation has just. If he's your getting worst. rid of Leak and Wainwright starts has made the rotation so much right. better. Flaherty's been meh. He hasn't been great. Right. But his he's only made what two starts. Or is he up to three? Because he had three major league starts. But Wainwright's coming back, so I don't know how that's going to go over. But Lynn's been good and consistent. Martinez has been good and consistent. And Weaver has been fantastic. His walk Weaver. rate is fantastic. Yeah. His K rate is fantastic. He's been unreal. I'm excited every time he starts. The issue with him is he's getting up to his innings limit. I don't know how that's going to play out if we happen to make the playoffs. Obviously, we're going to cut to a four-man Wainwright's probably going to be in there just because he's the veteran grit guy. So I don't know. They have been talking so Weaver, about. We're going to need some bullpen help because we're not going to have Nicasio if we make the playoffs. They've been talking he's about, not going to be on the playoff roster. They've been talking about Wainwright not starting when he comes back. Uh, I don't know if they'll have, stick to He's scheduled. Comments. He's on the schedule, the ESPN one. Now, uh, another part of the take that for data is the uh, playoff odds. And right now, as it stands, we have a, according to Fangraphs, a twenty percent chance of winning the division, which is really high, and which I like is, I like that, which is astounding, at, considering where that was at other points. In yeah, the and we have a seven point seven percent chance to win the wild card. It's crazy that we have a so we have almost a, three times higher percent chance to win the division now, but that's also because we play the Cubs seven times. Yeah. and I told you, did I not tell you that that was going to come into play? Uh, I was the one that said they were going to win the division at the All-Star break, and you laughed at me. I did laugh at you, but I also said that if they're going to be in contention, it's going to be because they get to play the Cubs, and you poo-pooed that, and you said, oh, that's not going to matter if they play head-to-head. I'm like, sure, it's going to well, matter, I think then you can catch up more. I think all e- I said easier. was that it's not... The fact of the matter is, they get to play the Brewers three more series. times and the Cubs seven more right, times, right. and they got to beat up on the Reds and the Pirates in between. Those are the only teams they play. So I think their playoff odds should be higher. I understand there's math behind it, but that seems low because the teams ahead of them, the, the Rockies and the Brewers. I think the Rockies' schedule going forward is pretty weak, and I will double-check that it, here. They're playing quick. the Diamondbacks right now, which is not weak. They're Yeah, that's a good team. But but they've also won five in a these row. These teams have a history, win their sixth. and maybe I rely too much on history for projecting yeah, the future. The stats of, don't look at that. They look at what whoever's currently well, on I, the roster. I do look at it, and they these teams have a history of being over 500 well into the season and then kind of spiraling out. Now, we're getting pretty late in the year, and they've hung on at least to where they're in contention but um. so here's why the projections like the Rockies they get to play the Padres seven times the Giants twice the Marlins three times and then the Dodgers three times now obviously the Dodgers are in a complete tailspin but that's at the end of the year so the Rockies let's just say the Rockies have have a very favorable schedule we would have thought the Dodgers would have had the division clinched by then but now that's looking they'll have it questionable They'll have it. It's the last of the year? Last series of the year? Yes. Okay, yeah, they probably will. But they do play 10 of those games away. I just, they caught fire. We were catching up on them, and they've now won seven of their last nine, although we're also on fire. Anyway, it's going to, the baseball is going to get very exciting here because we're going to go to Wrigley this weekend. Yep, big series. And it's, and it's going to happen. It's going to be what we've always dreamed of as Cardinals and Cubs fans. Now we got, you know, we got to have a playoff series in 2015, yeah. but there's something about having a division race and these games really matter in the regular season. That's just really exciting. Cause the playoff games matter and are intense and are huge anyway. 
Yeah, but now, now this it. baseball is right. just... And we kind of had a taste of that in 2015, too, because remember, it was late in the year. That they we made a the really division. late push, but right. I always felt like we were going to win it. And I we did. felt like we had it, but we only won in the division by two games, I believe. Three that was over the Pirates. Right. The Cubs they, were the third-place team, technically. Yeah. So. Anyway, the turnaround's been amazing. Uh, nothing short of unbelievable, just because of how mediocre they looked for three-fourths of the season. Yeah. I'll admit, even though I was on them in the All-Star break, there was a stretch. Uh, well, it was after they won eight in a row. Right. After that, that I kind of started to give up on them a little bit. I, they give up the well, strong then they lost, I started to they lose lost seven of nine to really bad teams. And you're right. like, what are they doing? And they, then the, they, now they, they, they've caught they fire. They won one of three against the Padres. And who was the other bad team they played? Tampa. Tampa. Well, Tampa's not Tampa's bad, good, but, but yeah. they lost two or three to Tampa at home. At home. Yeah. So uh, I thought the Nicasio signing was really – or trade, I guess. It, what, what was it? Claim off a of waiver. So it was trade. really interesting. Um, interesting, but it's also – Knowing that they too can't – Too little, too late. Well – As far as yeah. why didn't you do and that you, before the now deadline? now you can't use them for They the, supposedly tried the to make – their claim got blocked or something. Right, right. So – because it was like all in for at least making the playoffs this year. Because he's a free agent, so he they don't have any. The only thing they have is a leg up on other teams for if they want to sign him is that they're showing him what it would be like to play in St. Louis or whatever. So I thought that was really interesting. But he may, I mean, he he's in certain games. I mean, they have so many players at their disposal now with the expanded rosters. In certain games, he's been the closer basically. And they're they're kind of just using him just as a push to get in the playoffs, knowing that they won't be able to use. I mean, their bullpen still isn't fixed because they're have they're still everyone's inconsistent, basically everyone, um, other than maybe Brebia. And then it, I, I just thought if that was they such an interesting. If to make the move. playoffs, the bullpen's certainly going to be heart wrenching. Right, it's it's right. going to be a heart attack at the end of every, every game. Is, yeah, and every pitch it's especially change. dangerous when you're going into a one-game playoff where the bullpen blowing it and then your season's right. over. So yeah, so I mean the division's still out there too, so maybe they won't have to do that, which would be interesting. So that brings us to what is your you've you've said it you said it at the break you said it at the beginning of the season. So I guess you're gonna obviously just continue to ride that. Yeah. What is your official prediction with less than? What? How many games we got left? Fifteen with fifteen. Games I'm actually. Left? I am gonna switch it up. I'm gonna say they actually win one, one of the the second wild card spot and not the division. I just think. Eighteen games left. Sorry. So you're you're now saying yeah. they're gonna win the second wild card I think, spot. I think I think the 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 seven games with the Cubs will be. That scares you. That doesn't invigorate. Well, you? I think it'll be four three one way or the other. Whoever, I just I don't think anyone will. But that means themselves. we would gain a gain on them. So what happens about the other games? We wouldn't gain a game there, and then tie, and then we go to a one game playoff for the division. Ooh, See, that's that's where it also gets interesting because hypothetically we could tie us, the Brewers, and the Rockies could tie, or us, the Brewers, the Cubs could tie. And have the same record as the Rockies, so it's like a four-way tie. But then one of the well, teams have isn't s- involved in the divisional tie, right? So and I forget s- all the crazy tiebreaker schemes. So I think, well, it would involve two extra games though, because there's two. So there's a game there's for the division. Two, there's a game for the division, right? And, and then they have to settle that card. first before the. And I'm not sure how they do that. I forgot. Well, to I'm look not sure up how like they would the, do it with the three if three teams tied for the division. I'm not sure either. It won't. It probably won't shake out that way. There's always close divisional yeah. races that don't actually. But it's this is it's good for baseball because like literally every other division is decided by like ten games right now. Division, but the the wild card is yeah the AL wild card's insane as well. Insane. There's still like six teams within one game. Yeah. Um, Which is, is kind of it. invokes 2011, doesn't it? With crazy down to the left. Hopefully, uh, I guess it's spaced out a little day. bit now. There's one, two, three, four, five. Or there's six teams within four games for the second slot. So not as close as it once was. But still all those teams are in it. Like Yeah. They're definitely still there. Um would you rather would you rather the Cardinals win the division or win the wild card. I guess 
it's kind of an obvious answer with the division. So either either which one do you think, which one would you rather they win, or which one do you think they are more likely to win? If either, I guess. I mean, if I'm looking at, you know me, I'm an advanced stats guy, so I look at the fans graph projections, and they have a 20% chance at the division, division. and a 7% sure. chance at the wild card. And that's a big enough And I'd know, shade, difference. after looking at the Rockies' schedule the rest of the way, I would shade towards the division at this point, because I think if they're going to seize their their chance, they're going to beat the Cubs in enough games to... I mean, if they go 5-2, and two, they... Don't they would gain three games on the Cubs in those? And they're only two back right now. And then you know they play them even in the non-Cubs games. There you go. You're you're right. the division winner. Right. And four of the games are at home. They got the four game series at Bush. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm, I'm not gonna make a prediction. I'm gonna cop out and just say I just want to sit back and watch this ride and, and see what and, happens. And you would, I guess. The question I asked earlier is dumb because you'd rather win the division, right? Because then yeah, you don't have to play that definitely. wild card game. But then you're also talking about potentially playing the Nationals in the first round. That's fine. I mean, whoever we're going to play is going to be better than us. We're going to play the Nationals or the Dodgers. And, yeah, I mean, I'm accepting that. But, you know, crazy things happen in playoff baseball. You 83-win team wins oh, yeah. the series. I, so. I, I'm not... I'm selling Dodger. Well, now it's kind of late that they've lost. I, Colorado, but I never bought into this. I know it's bad. I know team. it really looks bad. I just think push comes to shove when they're in the playoffs, they're going to be tough. Kershaw's yeah. going to pitch two games in a five yeah. game series, three games in a seven. They'll game be series. tough, but and the rest of their pitching still really good. I never bought into this. They're going to cruise to the NL pennant, and they or are they the best team? I don't ever? know. If Harper doesn't come back, I'm not nearly as scared of the Nationals. If Harper comes Strasburg's back, Strasburg's pitching really 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 well, but the the Nationals Scherzer's been fading a little. The Nationals I think are actually the best team, but they have their own playoff demons. Dusty Baker has his own playoff demons. You mentioned their health questions like I I think the NL is wide open. I've said I think the Diamondbacks, but they're kind of unproven as well as far as they don't have a lot of guys with playoff experience, but that is the team to watch out for, though, because they're hot Frankie, lately. Robbie Ray, depending on how the rest works out, those could be four of the five games yeah. in a five gamer. I uh, think their offense is very good. Their offense is very good. Goldschmidt, Martinez, and all the supporting cast. Martinez has been tearing it up since he got yeah. traded there. And Goldschmidt's just Goldschmidt. So should be interesting. Do you do you think there's anything that's happened with the Cardinals, you know, as much as we'd like to think about this year, and I do think they can make the playoffs, but, you know, ultimately, if they come up short as far as winning a pennant, do you think there's anything that's happened personnel-wise that will affect their offseason or their outlook to the future? Just any, like, big thing or, um, like, for instance... Has the play of Bader affected how they're going to approach the outfield, or they kind of have a logjam in the outfield, or a logjam at the pitching staff? Uh, it's a tough question. I mean, I think this is. Yeah, I'm not so sure on that. And, and we obviously have some baseball to play out. I think still. they're still going to go for a big name this offseason. I'm not convinced, and I'm not convinced that's the right answer either for like what they should do, but they might. They have to kind of consolidate because they have. They have, I think they have a lot of big league worthy players, but that doesn't help you past a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have a lot of two win guys and not enough six win five guys. win yeah. guys. Yeah. Yeah. But But it should be fun. And there's not much better in sports than playoff baseball. So yeah. I hope we can be a part of it because if even though it's only been a year, and I know there's way more fan bases it with seems way so more struggles, now, right? but I, I feel I'm like I'm starving yeah. for playoff baseball. Yeah. And it is great, and they um, at least they're making a run. And for a while there, it looked like they were just going to fizzle out. I'm glad that the September games mean something, especially the Cubs one, right. so that should be a lot Those of fun. Those will be fun, yep. All right, well, that about does it for us. We've touched on a lot, but we hope you enjoy this one, and... Hopefully my schedule allows us to uh, put out another one here a lot sooner than, you know, two months in between episodes. So hope you enjoy and have a good one.